What else? Uh, what else do you think they did really well on board the ship? Uh, they did very well about confusing the heck out of me, trying to figure out where I was going. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And no Sam today. I'm sorry, everyone, but <laughs> she has a work obligation. And so I'm handling this one on my own. So uh, she will be back soon, I am sure. But I am excited to be joined by, gosh, Jonathan, how many times have you been on the show now? <laughs> this must be four. Four. All right. Got to start keeping like, uh, I guess, notes or stats here so we can have a little friendly competition among our repeat show guests over who gets to appear most often. But I'm excited to have Jonathan back on because he recently sailed on The Wish. But more importantly, Jonathan is a big, big Star Wars fan. And I had to have a Star Wars fan on to either support or temper my views on Hyperspace Lounge for the Disney <laughs> Wish. So I'm excited to talk to Jonathan about that. But before we get there, Jonathan, remind folks of your background with Disney Cruise Line, how many cruises you've been on, all that sort of fun stuff. Sure. So uh, with our most recent sailing on the Disney Wish, that was our 10th DCL voyage. So we hit that coveted platinum level. Nice. So, and as far as total cruises, we've been on 12 because we've been on uh, a carnival ship twice. And then I think I got to ask this question up front, Jonathan, because if we're going to talk about Star Wars. Got to know your Star Wars creds. I mean, you've got a Star Trek Star Wars podcast. I know. I but do. What are your Star Wars creds? Well, I mean, why should we why should we care about your opinion about Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so my entry into Star Wars fandom began when I was eight, nine, and we, we, we had a VCR. We had a, a very small selection of VHS tapes. And kids, this is before DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, you know, uh, we didn't have very many. And the one that we had was Return of the Jedi. And I watched it over and over and over again. And for years, I didn't even know that there were other movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was it. I mean, the beauty of the original trilogy is each one does tell a, a story from beginning, middle to end. And you didn't really get that in, in the later content. But yeah, so I'm, I'm a massive Star Wars fan, a massive nerd. Of course, I have a podcast about Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, I love them both equally. I will not choose sides. You cannot make me. <laughs> it, it's just, I don't know. I just... I, I, I enjoy the escapism. I consume everything from animated shows to books to movies to the Disney Plus original shows. I've dabbled in comics. Yeah, everything that I can consume Star Wars, I'm I'm really that big of a fan. All right. You've got credibility. Uh, <laughs> I think we've established that. I think we've established that. Well, Jonathan, this was your first sailing aboard the Wish. And so before we get into specifics, I just wanted to ask, you know, one, to talk to us about what the sailing was. Where did you go? How long was it? And then first impressions of the ship when you got on board. Sure. So we were originally supposed to do a back-to-back. -back. We were supposed to do the 19th to the 23rd and then the 23rd to the 26th. But some things came up and we had to cancel the, the second leg of the back-to-back. -back. So we kept the Fortnite. Our ports were Nassau, Castaway, and then a day at sea, and then back to Port Canaveral. And as far as initial impressions of the ship, I mean, from the moment I walked on board, I instantly knew it was a Disney ship. It felt like a, a Disney ship. Everything just the Grand Hall is just incredible. But at the same time, it felt 
different because nothing is quite the way that you're used to on the classic ships now. Well, you get on board. First impressions are first impressions here. I, I'm just going to start with the question around Hyperspace Lounge. So were you still at a sailing where you had to get reservations or was Hyperspace Lounge just open and freely available? So I believe one or two sailings prior to ours is when the reservation system stopped. So it was just come in. If there was an available seat, you took it. They would still were, well, at least they still had a sign in the front of the lounge uh, enforcing the 45-minute time limit. But I don't think that was ever really enforced because I don't think it was ever busy enough, to be honest. I, I didn't even know where it was. I knew I knew it was somewhere on deck three, but I just kind of stumbled on it as I was walking, trying to find something else on ship. So it just kind of really, I don't know, it just, it felt like it was not meant to be found. Like it was just tucked away to, I guess, hidden. I don't know. You know, I can understand the idea of it feeling hidden. I think I was looking for it, right? So like I I went to seek it out. And so I figured out where it was pretty quickly. And I think I'd heard from a few people, you know, kind of where it was on the ship. So I wasn't surprised to see. But I agree. There was like when when we were there and they were doing reservations, at least there was like a hostess stand out front. So it kind of caught your attention. Like, what's this person doing here? And the oh, it's Hyperspace Lounge. So if they had gone, if they've gone to open seating and it's sort of, you, you know, you walk up, you hit the button and you walk in. Yeah, it's down kind of a off of a main corridor and there's no windows facing outward. So yeah, I, I could see it feeling very hidden for sure. For sure. Uh, let me ask, when did you go? Did you, did you head there pretty early on in your cruise to check it out or did you wait a little bit? We went on night two originally. That, that, was, that was the one we actually went inside and sat down and uh, ordered something. I ordered the, I, I don't even remember the name of it. It came in the martini glass and then uh, the gas bubble. Oh, yeah, the, the smoke bubble. Yeah. Well, well, let's step back and ask what were, first, beyond it being hidden, when you walked into this space, what were your first impressions? Were you like, oh man, this is amazing. It's everything I wanted. Or yeah, what were the first impressions? <laughs> <laughs> My first impressions were like, this is it? I don't know. I just, I, I I guess from reading all of the articles, you know, from when they announced the concept to, you know, the continuing saga of the releasing the info on what it's going to look like, it just felt like Disney was using a lot of uh, member berries to, to like, tease you to think like, oh, this is going to be like you're walking right into something from the movie. And it really didn't get feel like that at all. It just felt like, oh, this is a bar tucked in a back corner. Like you're walking down the the wrong street in the lower levels of Coruscant. You know, it's like it, it seemed, you know, it didn't seem opulent. It seemed seedy. So Jonathan, have you, you've been to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I assume you've been to Oga's have, and I can't remember, you've not been on Galactic Star Cruiser yet, or you have? I have not been on that yet. That is something that I'd love to do, but I don't know when I'll have, <laughs> yeah, because it, it's, it's, it's an investment. I might have to go the route of trying to find some friends, you know, and I'll pitch in. But presumably you've been to Galaxy's Edge and you've been inside Oga's Cantina. Yes. So what are your thoughts around Oga's Cantina? Let's ground ourselves there. So sure. a lot more people have probably been to Oga's Cantina than have been to Hyperspace Lounge. The Star. So yeah, gr ground us in how you feel about Oga's Cantina. Sure. I love Oga's Cantina. I, I try to get a reservation every time I'm going to be at Hollywood Studios or Disneyland. I, I love the atmosphere. I think just the the sounds, the the visuals, everything, that feels like I'm walking onto the set of a Star Wars movie. Like I'm walking into the cantina on uh, Tatooine or, or wherever. That feels like Star Wars. Hyperspace Lounge feels like it's 
a bar with somebody who thought they had an idea of what Star Wars was and just, you know, put video screens and are showing planets like this is cool. You'll like this. But really, I didn't get the the ambiance. I didn't feel like I was part of that universe on Hyperspace Lounge. Yeah. So what was lacking from Hyperspace Lounge then in your estimation? And, and you know, like, let's also say what what do you think worked in hyperspace line? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the the level of the drinks, I, I thought that felt like uh, a, a bit more of an elevated experience from Oga's Cantina. You know, the drinks felt more opulent. They felt like you were in a, a higher class establishment. So uh, that part of the aesthetic, I think they got right. The video screens were very distracting, honestly, and you know, like the everything that like the sound, the ambiance. It was. It would have all been drowned out by the sound coming from the video screens, and I think that the you know to to really immerse yourself in Star Wars, it has to feel like Star Wars. It has to feel gritty, grimy. I, I just yeah, I just the drinks worked for the experience they were trying to present, but it just didn't feel like you know. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time trying to articulate how unimpressed I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that says it right there. What what would have pushed it over the top for you? Like what what would if you'd walked in and you'd seen what uh, would have made it just better? Seeing some random creature in a tank, like like that you have in in Ogas, I think that feels more Star Wars than what Hyperspace Lounge was. And maybe it's just because they were going for an elevated experience. Much, you know, I, I guess the what, what wasn't the inspiration supposed to be taken from Solo and that yacht that was like all decked out in gold plating and everything. I think that was the original concept, and it didn't even feel like that. It just felt like upscale drinks and a halfway conceived bar themed around Star Wars. Yeah, I I will say, I'm curious your thoughts here. So one, I thought the drinks were just okay from my perspective. Like I I like the Oga's style of drink where they're really trying to do something fun with the drinks. But in this case, I thought thought the drinks were just kind of okay. I didn't even actually find many of them to be really that great. And I thought it was weird. I mean, I know why they're doing it, but they had, you can't walk into Oga's, I don't think, and get like a you know, a regular drink almost, right? There's probably some on the menu, but like, you know, they had wines on this menu blatantly from Skywalker Ranch. And, you know, they had some beers that were odd, uh, I guess, and then the mixed drinks. But I was expecting something a little bit more creative on the drink side. That was one. Two, I was expecting a little more atmosphere from the cast members, right? Uh, I don't know how to describe it other than, you know, they don't seem to play characters, if that makes sense. And I think I would have liked to have seen them do a little bit something more with a story and a background and that sort of thing. I mean, I've seen the videos of people ordering that insanely expensive <laughs> drink, the Kyber Crystal. And, you know, they're explaining that it's like a Japanese whiskey. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, what's the story behind these liquors that you can tie into the Star Wars universe? That Like, this is a private reserve label of Lando Calrissian's, you know, <laughs> you know, Scott, you know, whatever it is, right? They, there's nothing there for that. And then I think the third thing I was looking for was a little bit more showmanship around the presentation of the drink. So I did see today, and I don't know when this started, but it looks like they've got a new drink they're offering on board that has some crazy contraption that they're infusing the liquor through and all that sort of like that's what I was looking for is mm-hmm. kind of interesting drinks like Oga's, some presentation and background and story experience with the cast members, and then something with the presentation, like a show, a bit of a show other than that screen. I also will say I thought hyperspace was very loud. When that screen changes, 
is mm-hmm. loud, really, really loud. So I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right on the money, and you you kind of articulated it a lot better than than my ramblings. I I, <laughs> I just think that yeah, it, it with with as much as Disney prides itself on storytelling, there was no real story. There was yeah, it it was very boring. Did did you make it into the kids club, Jonathan? Did you do one of the open houses? Yes, absolutely. And did you see the Star Wars room they had in the kids club? Absolutely. We actually went in there for a meet and greet with Chewbacca. Nice. And so my contention is they should have swapped the two things almost, like, or at least invested as much into the bar as they did in the kids club. But I, I don't know what you think. Yeah. I, I mean, the mural alone on the outside of the wall on deck two, I would. So we, our stateroom was on two and I would often just take the long way around just to walk past those murals because they were incredible. Uh, and then, yeah, just not to mention that when you go into those sections of the kids club, they're just even more incredible. Yeah. The, the amount of thought, the amount of time uh, that went in to those experiences in the kids club far outweighed what they did with hyperspace lounge. Yeah. I mean, down to the creatures in the tanks that are like breathing. And I mean, it's, I really wish they had just even just taken what they did in the kids club and put it in the bar. I thought that would have been a much more interesting thing to do. This feels like they just kind of recycled skyline a little bit. Yeah. I also thought it was a missed opportunity. I'm curious your thoughts, a missed opportunity. I didn't spot many Easter eggs from the actual movies in the the graphics on the screen apart from you know some of the ships and stuff but did you catch any yeah i thought we you know i thought there might be space battles or something going on you know like star wars has a ma- a, a history of some incredible ships you know from all the various types of uh, rebel wing fighters to the millennium falcon to the star destroyers yeah there were really no easter eggs on the screen and <sighs> I don't know. I just, I stare enough at screens in my daily life. I don't want to constantly stare at screens when I'm on vacation too. And I know that's getting harder and harder with Disney, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one thing if I'm using my phone, but if I'm having to stare at a, a, a series of video panels to get some sort of ambience, then yeah, I'm not, I'm not too keen on that. Yeah, I actually thought it would have been fun. There were a couple of times on the screen where things like bumped into the screen or things, you know, light. uh, I feel like there were a few where maybe a laser or something. But I was like, wouldn't it be funny if the screen cracked a little bit and then like, oh, here comes Chewbacca in some sort of space outfit to like fix the screen. You know, yeah. or or even if while they when they move you to hyperspace, you 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 hear like a sound like punch it, Chewie, and then and then it go. I, I don't know. I wanted more mm-hmm. Easter eggs from the the IP. I mean, if you're going to lean into the IP, like lean into the IP. Yeah, exactly. It it just, it didn't feel like the concept matched what I had expected it to be. Uh, And yeah, I I guess it's not as well executed as Galaxy's Edge at all. And it just feels like it was half a thought, I guess, is ultimately what I'm, my, my overall impressions. It just didn't feel immersive enough. It didn't feel Star Wars enough to me. I wonder if it got value engineered at some level, you know, at somewhere along the line where they, you know, <laughs> building a ship in the middle of the pandemic, they were just kind of like, eh, well, this would be fun to do, but we need to tone it back a little, which maybe shows. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but yeah. Well, good to know that a true Star Wars fan shares my impressions about hyperspace. <laughs> so I'm not completely out of touch. Well, Jonathan, I, I would be remiss in not getting some of your thoughts about the rest of the ship. And uh, so... Maybe what were the top three to five things that you really liked on the wish? And then we'll talk about some things maybe that you thought they could have done better. Sure. I I thought that the menus in each of the re- the main dining restaurants were really good. I, I, I 
I was impressed with every single thing that I ordered. The you know with, we started in 1923, and uh, I had the tortellini, which the tortellini was good, but it kind of was very subpar compared to the black truffle presets at Animators, and, and it was a similar style, sim- you know, similar presentation on on the tortellini. I thought as as to what they go for with the black truffle pasta presets, but it's you know I, I thought the the fillet that I ordered from from there was excellent. Uh, yeah. I, the one the one food item I didn't like was at Worlds of Marvel. Uh, I don't know if you ordered the the pork belly bao bun. I did. I did. I, I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was great. I thought it was completely devoid of any flavor. The pork belly was not pro- well cooked. And I don't know. It wasn't... I, I was expecting it to be crispy and it was chewy. What did you think of the show in Worlds of Marvel? I thought that was incredible. I, I thought that the, uh, the performances from Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly were awesome I, I thought that yeah I, I loved everything about the show experience and and the rest of the menu was fantastic too it was it was just that one thing that I didn't care for what else what else stood out for you on board I thought that the show at Arendelle was incredible as well but uh, yeah I, I know you have voiced your opinions in, on your episode where placement where you're sitting means everything so I was unfortunately my seat was with my back to the left of the stage. And so I had to turn my chair around to, to see. It definitely would have been a, a much better experience had we been seated a little closer to the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find the restaurant? I, I feel like the restaurants on board were pretty cramped. Did you feel like that? It was especially hard for some of our servers, you know, to uh, the servers, seeing them trying to weave in and out of the tables in, in cramped space. It, it felt like they had the, the bigger challenge than, than us as the guests. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I noticed more than one server struggling <laughs> a bit to to get food served. Well, 1923, kind of a universally liked restaurant, it seems like. What do you think? Yeah, 1923 was incredible. I thought the theming was great. I I, I don't know if I recall in reading any of the coverage. I don't recall that how it was split into two dining rooms, or maybe I heard that it was split into two dining rooms, but I, I maybe I just had the impression that it was two sides rather than like a main entrance that goes to two different dining rooms versus two separate entrances. I thought that was kind of a unique way for them to fit the restaurant around the the hallway to go back to the aft elevators. I thought that was really cool. It was way different than I I, I guess I expected. I, well, I feel like a lot of the restaurants were kind of broken up that way, right? Because Worlds of Marvel's two sides as well, which I figured out is in part to support the show because they do the show on one half and then they bring the characters over to the other half to do the show. So I thought that was... I thought that was kind of interesting, but I, f- I felt like every place but Arendelle was kind of split up a little mm-hmm. bit. But at least with uh, with Worlds of Marvel, it, it wasn't two separate entrances. You had that uh, that hallway that's very indicative of Animator's palette, you know, just Marvel themed, and that at least led to the two separate dining rooms where uh, where 1923, like it was, you know, the entrances were on opposite sides of the ship. Did you do any of the adult dining on board, Jonathan? We did not. We were uh, unable to get a Palo reservation on uh, activity booking day, and we tried to get on the wait list for brunch, and it just never came through once we were on board. So, Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel, who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just 
so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path and Wedding has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. What else uh, What else do you think they did really well on board the ship? Uh, they did very well about confusing the heck out of me trying to figure out where I was going sometimes. <laughs> uh, it, it's just weird to see the spa on five and and the shops are, are split. It was really very, very strange. And I think I think even if we had spent the other half of the back-to-back that we had planned on the ship, I still don't think I would really have found my way around and know the ship uh, as well as I do the others. But like like I said, it exudes class and, and it's a definitely a, a new level of, of Disney Cruise uh, vessel. Just the, the everything that they did, they really did take it to the next level, even if it's at the expense of confusing us uh, regular DCL cruisers. Well, what, what things, Jonathan, do you want to see them change on board the next ship? I, I think they need to... Definitely figure out a different solution for the elevators than if you get too close to the sensors, you will hit the buttons for every single floor or at least half of them. There, there needs to be a better way to do that. It just, I guess they need to fix the amount of elevators that do go up to the higher decks because, you know, if you wanted to go up to 12 or 13, you know, you, you had to wait for that one or two specific elevators that went there. And, you know, it often, you know, took a few cycles, you know, if you wanted to go that high it's just yeah i think the elevator situation overall is where they need to put a little bit different uh, you know concept in for the new ship and as far as everything else i i I have no major issues with the the design of the wish it's just it was just for me having been so used to sailing on the other four ships it just everything was so different and and not where you expect it to be and i think that's going to take some getting used to for even the most seasoned dcl cruisers oh and i guess the biggest thing i want to see with the new ship is longer itineraries i i I don't like three and four night cruises at all (laughs) no i agree i i and i think that that's what we'll see out of the next ship it's interesting because i keep we kept hearing the wish is purpose built for three and four night itineraries. So I'm sort of curious, okay, so what will change on a ship that's going to be doing seven night itineraries? aside from hopefully some more storage in the staterooms, which seems to be kind of a universal complaint, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see what, uh, what happens uh, with a ship that's designed for seven night itineraries? What, what did you think of the the pool deck and the Aquamouse, Jonathan? I love the Aquamouse. That was absolutely brilliant. I, I, that that might be my new favorite Disney uh, ship attraction. As much as I like the the Aqueduct and the Aquadunk, uh, I, I think that is certainly capitalizing on what you expect Disney storytelling to encompass it, with the Aquamouse. And as far as the pools, at least when we went to the cove area the adult area once and we turned around and walked right out because it was extremely busy when i don't know if because it was the time of year because it was mid-september and kids were just starting back to school there really didn't seem like the kids pools 
were kids soup. Uh, it was it was often we would find ourselves wanting to go to the main pools rather than going to the adult area. Yeah, adult area is really small. <laughs> it's just really small and really, frankly, it's not ideal to get to from my standpoint. But yeah, I we we sat by the main pool most of the time. Now, now our son was with us. I think if we were on the ship, just adults only, you know, I don't know how much we would have gone back to that adult area. But mm-hmm. yeah, the main pools I thought were pretty nice. I like the way they broke them up. I don't know what you yeah. thought, but I like the way they broke them up. I, I thought that was really, really cool. And I, I think the having them all spread out like that it, it definitely helps to combat the the feeling that the the, the pools uh, on the classic ships, the main pool can be kid soup or people soup. I actually I really enjoyed the little like six inch uh, sections in the mid tier of the pool area. I thought that was a really cool uh, idea and didn't spend nearly enough time in there. What, uh, did you make it into the rainforest room? I think you're a rainforest person. I typically am. And no, we just didn't have the the time or uh, I, I just, we just never really went to the spa area at all. Honestly, I don't know. We, we just it didn't feel like uh, we were you know, we wanted to explore the rest of the ship versus uh, instead of going to the spa. I guess I think if we would ever set sail on the wish again, we probably would, you know, do less exploration and more relaxation time. Outside of hyperspace, Jonathan, what do you think of the bars on board? You got nightingales, you've got the rose, you've got the bayou. What do you think of the bar spaces on board outside of hyperspace? I thought they were all really very incredible. I, I love the theming of every single bar space was really quite well done, and and every every space felt different. Uh, I guess the biggest complaint that I have is actually keg and compass. Right. That's the that is the sports bar, isn't it? Yep. The yeah, the pub on board. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I guess my biggest complaint is uh, with Keg and Compass, the pub. It it was entirely too small. That tends to be one of the more popular spots on the larger ships because, you know, they, they it's kind of a multi-purpose area because they can host trivias and uh, other adult focused events. And they, they had a Star Wars trivia, the, one of the first or se- I think it was the first or second day of the of the cruise. And they had it in uh, Keg and Compass and it was packed. It was standing room only. I, I don't understand why they didn't utilize either, you know, schedule that at a different time so that they could utilize Luna, because you know you're having Star Wars trivia on a Disney ship. That is going to turn people out in record numbers. And I thought that having that in Keg and Compass was very poor decision making on on the entertainment staff's part. But yeah, I guess aside from that, it it was I I really like all the other adult. Uh, bar spaces. I I didn't even get to have uh, get a chance to have a, a drink in the ones that I wanted to, just because there was always so much to do. So I, I, if I would ever again, if I if we would ever go back on the wish, yeah, I would I would want to hit all the spots that I didn't get to this time. What do you think of the two story space? Uh, you know, stage theater space. Uh, I thought it was interesting <laughs> it, it's basically it's the equivalent it's the replacement or the the next evolution of d lounge uh, on the other ships and it's a good idea in theory but when they're doing activities that involve audience participation you know if you're sitting up uh, on the upper section it's, it's harder to participate in the activities that are going on 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 deck four below you so i i think that it, it's it was a cool concept, but I, I just don't know if they're utilizing the space the right way. You know, by u- using that as kind of the the location for all of the like kids game shows and stuff like that. I thought that was a little weird how they chose to make it two levels and and use that as that space. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of see it as like the merging of D-Lounge with the tube on the fantasy uh, or its equivalent space on the dream, the name of which is escaping me because we don't go on the dream as often. <laughs> I kind of see the merging of the two. And I, I kind of, I, I, I'm intrigued by that upstairs space because I'm the person who likes to go watch the show. But I don't always want to be in the show, right? And so sitting up there in a booth that has TVs and I can watch Match Your Mate kind of on the TV while having a drink, but not feel like I'm in the action in some ways appeals to me, but I didn't honestly get much of a chance to try it the last time we were on board, part because it was packed every time we wanted to go in there. So it was interesting because that space is, feels big, but is was just always oversubscribed uh, when there was a show or bingo or whatever it was. So something not right in the sizing of the space uh, for that reason. But yeah, uh, I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by it. And I'm interested to see if they continue to do it or not. Shows, Jonathan, we didn't talk about shows at all. And I have to channel Sam for a minute and, and ask you, what you thought of the shows on board? I thought the shows were absolutely incredible. I I, I loved CZ Adventure. I thought it was adorable. I you know just the uh, the way that you know Captain Minnie you, uh, inspires that confidence in Goofy. I thought that was a really cool concept. I loved it. I, I thought that that was a heck of a way to kick off the cruise, and uh, far better than oh uh, well, far better than the Golden Mickey's. <laughs> I, I can't remember the opening shows on some of the other ships. It, it's been so long since I've sailed them. You know, the Golden Mickey, the Golden Mickey's is what is most fresh in my mind because we were just on the Wonder earlier this year. So, and what did you think of Little Mermaid? I thought it was really clever. I thought it. I, I, I thought it was a really good interpretation of the the sh- the, uh, the story. I don't understand the purpose of the treasure chests. <laughs> it, in it fact, just, I'm, struggling, I'm, I'm struggling to remember it in the context of the show now. But I think I've heard from a few people sort of asking, "What was that all about?" So yeah, it just feels like it's there, and it's like again. It, I think it's the the hype that Disney was building around the sh- the reworking of the show, and they kind of led you to believe that the show was centered around this treasure chest, and it just basically sat there for the vast majority of the show and moved a couple times. It really didn't serve the story at all. But that's such a minor quibble. I thought the I, I thought everything else about the show was incredible. The performances, the songs, everything. I thought it was incredible. And then the final show was the reworked Aladdin. And having seen the original Aladdin, having seen Aladdin on Broadway, having seen it come when it uh Aladdin when it toured Pittsburgh uh, a couple years ago. I, I felt like the the reworked Aladdin on on the Wish was very much inspired by every iteration of Aladdin that Disney has told so far, and I, I really thought they meshed that very well together. Nice, yeah. I, I I thought the shows on board were good. I think the Little Mermaid has been the most polarizing <laughs> of the shows. Jonathan, did you when you were on board? Did you get a chance to try out the Uncharted Adventure? experience i uh, did like actually augmented reality cell phone yeah what so you're the first guest we've had who's been able to use it so what was it like and did it actually work <laughs> i would say that 92 percent of the time it worked i believe what they were calling it when on our voyage was a guest preview so it, it was not quite ready for prime time it was kind of like a an open beta test, I guess, just to try to test the limits of the technology with, you know, a, a bunch of uh, a group of paying guests. It, I don't know if it was quite ready for prime time, but again, if you've ever beta tested anything in your life, you kind of, the idea is to look for 
things that don't quite work the way they're supposed to and identify them to the, the, the development staff. And they're really, I, I don't recall any kind of way to give feedback on our experience with the app other than the survey, but there was nothing real time in the Disney Navigator app where you could report an issue. I, I thought it, it plays very similar to Midship Detective Agency, you know, but it utilizes your phone. So you launch the Uncharted Adventure uh, applet through the Navigator app and it uh, tells a story. And basically you go, you know, areas, uh, hallways and and elevator banks around the ship. You basically hold your phone up to a little icon on these screens and then it brings up an interactive activity. And it's always themed to one of the four different story paths that you can take. So you can do, I believe it was Moana, uh, Princess and the Frog, uh, Peter Pan, and I can't remember the fourth adventure that you can play, but essentially all the quests are themed around that movie. So like on the screen, you'll utilize your phone as the controller to maybe if you're playing Moana, you have to navigate your canoe away from the Kakamora. Uh, and it involves tilting and, and using the gyroscope sensor on your phone to navigate your ship through the, the narrow passageways of water as you're avoiding the Kakamora. Or you might have to help Tiana make her famous gum by uh, chopping ingredients on your phone and then throwing them into the pot that's on the screen. It was it was really really cool how it took the idea of midship detective agency and brought it into the 21st century with augmented reality technology and and the link between the technology on the ship and the technology on your phone. But with anything like that, you know, you're bound to have some issues. There were times where I would you know be at the location where the next activity was supposed to be, and I would hold my phone up to the icon that basically basically communicates between the phone and the and the screen on the ship to launch the activity and then it would just sit there and it would eventually it would crash on the screen on the ship and you couldn't advance in the activity so at that point I kind of gave up and didn't finish any more quests but again with, with something like that you know it's in a, in a technical preview like that you can expect to see some issues but I, I would have liked to see that if you know a way to real time in real time report the issues that you experienced. Uh, you know, great to hear that when it worked, it sounds like it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was very enjoyable. I would have loved to see, to be able to see the the rest of the stories play out, but because of the tech I, and, and I just got frustrated and stopped, it wasn't that important to me. And then if, um, if you are, whether you're playing or not, uh, at various times throughout the cruise, there is an activity uh, on the Navigator app. Like it's a planned activity in Luna where it's kind of like uh, the final boss battle of a video game. You go there and if you're playing the game, you can participate in the final battle against a classic Disney villain. But if you're just if you're not playing the game, you can just be there as an observer and kind of watch what's going on on screen because there is a full story to it. So that's kind of like the the grand finale uh, of the Uncharted adventure. So I thought it was kind of cool how they blended the the technology with the game into an an, uh, an activity on the ship. Well, Jonathan, I just appreciate you taking the time to come on. As I said at the beginning of the show, you have a Star Wars, a Star Trek a podcast. I don't know if you want to let folks know where they might be able to find that. Yeah, absolutely. So my my little project is called Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. So we just came back from our hiatus and recorded an episode where we caught up on all of the news that we missed over the past several months. And we shared our thoughts on Star Trek Picard Season 2. And then we recorded an episode that has yet to drop in the feed. But we uh, our next episode will be covering uh, our thoughts on the first uh, five or six episodes of Andor. Nice. 
Yeah, well, Sam is finishing watching Andor. I need to go watch it. I haven't yet, uh, but I'm looking forward to it because I've heard great things. And yeah, if you're a Star Wars, Star Trek fan, I highly recommend listening to Jonathan's show. So Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts about The Wish and of course about Hyperspace Lounge as our resident Star Wars expert. We really, really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on again. I I hope this wasn't too much of a rambling conversation with you. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice mail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.